Welcome back to the third year of the Netflix podcast, Present Company. I'm your host, Krista Smith. This season, we have something really special for you. I'll be exploring universal human emotion with our guests. Fear, a word that has gathered new meaning for many of us over the past year. Thank you for joining me. Krista? How's it been? Good. It's good to see you. Oh, man, it's so good to see you. Today, I'm so excited to have Dwayne The Rock Johnson to talk about his new action comedy, Red Notice. I met Dwayne after he first left his role as a professional wrestler to film The Scorpion King. Now, over 20 years later, Dwayne is one of the most recognizable faces in Hollywood, bringing us fan favorites like Ballers, Jumanji, and of course, Moana. In his most recent film, Dwayne plays John Hartley, an FBI agent, determined to bring down two of the most wanted art thieves in the world. It's a perfect popcorn movie filled with epic stunts, twists and turns, and of course, a fantastic dynamic between Dwayne and his two co-stars, Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot. And I can wholeheartedly say I loved every minute of it. So here is Dwayne Johnson. You know, I so loved your Vanity Fair cover story. And as you know, I spent most of my life there. So it was so kind of bittersweet to see that happen when I wasn't there. Well, I knew you would like it. I thought about you, you know, when we first agreed to do it, that we were going to do it. And I knew you would like it. When I first started, and, you know, that, I had some challenging times, right? Because it's like my goals, as you knew back then, was like, I just want to have a little bit of longevity and hopefully really make a, somewhat of an impact in our business. And a lot of people didn't see it that way. You at that time saw it. I have one distinct memory, and I think it was right after Scorpion King. And I went to go see you at the we went and had breakfast at the firehouse after a workout and you taught me all about eating clean which of course (laughs) I had no idea what that was right (laughs) and then later that night I went to see you perform or see you wrestle at uh, the WWE event and I remember I'm in a trench coat I had my best like uh, (laughs) Catherine or Vanity Fair look on and you (laughs) it's just like and I go there and I'm like oh my god it's every dad and their kid in the world I've never been so popular in my life when I was uh went to go the line but (laughs) I understood the cinematic dramatic nature of what wrestling was and what it was to you and the way the crowds responded to you it's such an interesting journey and I'm so happy to be sitting here with you and talking about Red Notice which I loved it's so fun Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. First of all, you're a producer on this film, right? Mm -hmm. So you have your own production company. Uh, What made you want to do this film in particular and also work with that, you know, that nut job, talent-free Ryan Reynolds? I mean, you talk about trash, right? (laughs) It's Ryan. Ross and Thurber had an idea and he pitched me. I really loved the pitch. I thought, number one, I'm going to love making this movie. But number two, I think we got a shot of a lot of people liking it. And so we put it together fairly quickly with some nice expediency. Ryan came on board, Gall came on board, and everything just really came together. Netflix came in. Originally, the home was at Universal. We had agreed that maybe this isn't the best home for a movie like this for a multitude of reasons. And then Netflix came in and they acquired it. And we made the movie and we made a pretty good one. So it all came together nicely. It was a little bit of a challenge because we were dealing with COVID like the world was. So we had to shut down. We had to come back. Um, But everyone put their game face on and made a great movie. And with Ryan, 
you know, look, when you and I first met years ago for the Scorpion King, I met him doing Van Wilder. He was doing <laughs> Van Wilder. I was doing the Scorpion King. We started our careers together basically in Hollywood. And so many moons later, we come back uh, this iteration of us and we get to set and we trust each other. We're confident in our uh, in um, in how we're going to be able to execute this thing. And our chemistry really exploded nicely off the screen. I thought we had a little chemistry nicely in the Hobbs and Shaw and it really just amplified in, in this movie. And then of course, Gall, you bring in, you add Gall to the equation and her playing a role that she doesn't get to play too often where she's a cunning, deceptive, amazing bad guy. Bad girl. Bad girl. I'm a fan. I thought she was great. But also the chemistry, it's tricky because you and Ryan do go way back. You do have natural chemistry and a friendship. And to bring a third person in there, you never know. But I think that it all works so beautifully. And she is perfectly matched to go between the two of you. And I'm just kind of, I, I would love to see the blooper reel. And if there was any kind of competition to see between you and, and Ryan, who could get the other one to break quicker in, in some of those scenes. But Oh, you, the, I saw the blooper reel. It's amazing. <laughs> I, saw, I saw it last week. And it's so funny. So both, as you know, you know both of us very well. We're both very disciplined. And when we come to set, uh, very disciplined actors, when something is funny, he will not break. He stays in it. If, if shit is funny to me, I will laugh so hard and ruin the take. We'll start all over again. I did that uh, uh, multiple times. I do that. So he wins that game because I always, <laughs> I will laugh. Doesn't matter. Is Ryan Reynolds gin any good? It's the shits. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> no, it's good. It's really good. It's really good. That's another thing. You know, we, have a, we have a lot of stuff in common. It's really yeah. good. We've shared gin and tequila and oh, it's good. It's good. It's he's, good. Done a, he's done a great job. Yeah. Building out his businesses too. Well, you know, you have so many successes under your belt, uh, for lack of a better word. You know, you've done so much. You've achieved so much. What is it for you that gets you out of the house, gets you away from your family, makes you go to work every day uh, at this point that. in your career? Yeah, I love that question. Um, yeah, what gets me out of bed and what what burns the fire? It's um, When it comes to Hollywood projects, uh, the criteria, it's, there's two or three here. Number one, am I going to love it? Am I going to love it? And I'm really going to be passionate about it. I've reached a point in my career, I'm really fortunate and lucky, where I get to choose what I want to do. Uh, it's not driven by the dollars. It's driven by, am I going to love it? And are people going to love it? It truly hand in hand. And if I could check both those boxes. Um, and when I say, am I going to love it? That means, am I going to love it? Meaning, am I going to love everybody involved here in this mm -hmm. project? Because that's important too. I don't want to go to work, you know, have to deal with mental health issues <laughs> caused by people who I'm not crazy about. So I only want to be around great people and high quality people, like-minded people. And are people going to love whatever the project is? And so that's really the criteria. Check yes, yes, yes across the board. Okay, let's do it. Hmm, so great. All right. Let's talk about your production company because, uh, and I know you talked a little bit about this in Vanity Fair, but those who haven't read the article, I love the name of this, of your yes. company. Can you just tell my listeners a little bit about, you know, what was impetus to forming your own production company and the name behind it? Sure. So the name behind the production company is Seven Bucks Productions. Uh, I went to the University of Miami. My plan was to become a professional football player, play in the NFL. Uh, we won a national championship. I had great players all around me, many of which are in the Hall of Fame now. Um, that dream didn't come true for me. 
And when I played up in Canada in the CFL, I was cut from, I was released from the team. I got sent home. When I was sent home, I was driving home because I had to move back in with my parents because uh, I had no money. And on the drive back to my parents, I didn't have a car. My dad had to come pick me up. We're driving back to Tampa. And um, that was a real low point in my life because you leave home at 18 ready to tackle the world. You go through four years of college and you're like, I, 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 I got my shit together. Here we go. And you have big goals and plans and that none of that came true. So now I'm driving in a pickup truck back to Tampa. And um, I said, let me look in my wallet and see how much money I have. And I looked and I opened it up and had a five, a one and some change. And I always like to say, at least I rounded up. So I was optimistic in my <laughs> numbers and my math. So I said, wow, I, shit, I got seven bucks to my name. So it's a good reminder for me uh, of where I came from. And we started a production company myself and Danny Garcia. And we started this production company almost 10 years ago. And we called it Seven Bucks Productions. And since then, uh, we have uh, we found some really good success over the years. We've established some great partnerships with studios um, in our industry. And we've delivered, I think, for the audience. And our mission statement, our number one anchoring mission statement is audience first. Mm -hmm. We always take care of the audience. We always want to send them home happy. So, Dwayne, what part of the day is your favorite? I know you're kind of a morning person. I assume that's still the case. You also have young kids. Yeah. I know they're waking your ass up early because that's just the way it goes <laughs> with kids. Yes. But when you're got your producing head on or you're at when you're acting or when you're when you were in the ring, like what is your favorite part of the day in those different experiences? I have two parts of my favorite parts of the day. When it comes to I think being mindful and when it comes to having a little bit of balance um, is in the morning, early in the morning, before the babies wake up and before the, uh, the tsunami happens in the household, uh, where I'm by myself, um, and very, very quiet in the morning. I like things very quiet in the morning. Usually before the sun comes up, I could do a tremendous amount of thinking. Uh, I could start to calibrate or recalibrate my day, um, thoughts, mindfulness, things like that. And then the other best part is when everyone is asleep. And I usually take about an hour for myself to an hour and a half once everybody goes to sleep. And it's usually sometime between 10, 10.30 to midnight, uh, maybe a little past that. And again, um, I throttle it down. I start to decompress. I do think about the day. I think about tomorrow. I was asked this by Vanity Fair, what keeps me up at night? And I said everything, how it's all going to shake out. And that all that keeps me up in a good way, though. I've mm -hmm. learned over the years to be a bit more neutral with my thoughts. Like usually I would really be hands on and really start to like it would start to absorb. I would really start to absorb the drama and a lot of the things that we deal with. So now I'm more neutral in my thoughts and everything's going to shake out the way we need it to shake out. And the only thing that I can control is my effort. All right. So I know there's a little tequila involved at the end of the day. A I just lot. want to know, is there any coffee in the morning pre-sunrise? I'm not a big coffee drinker. No, which was which was why I started the energy drink, because I'm not a coffee drinker. I said I need something uh, in the morning. So um, I'm not a big coffee drinker. I'm an energy drink drinker. And I've been drinking energy drinks for years and years and years. And then finally, I thought, um, there's a bunch of shit in these energy drinks that you just don't know what it is. And there's an extraordinary amount of caffeine in here. I want to make something that's clean, but I don't like coffee. Uh, so that's how that happens. So I usually have an energy drink in the morning. 
All right. Well, I trust you certainly with drinking clean, eating clean. So I'm going to try Zoa, right? Because, you know, I drink an awful lot of coffee, but I would like to maybe shake it up a little bit. And I remember, you know, you always had this a- ambition to to start your own things. Uh, even 20 years ago, uh, we were talking about this. So it's so incredible that you've got this, you've got the clothing line. Finally, finally, uh, <laughs> that has come uh, to fruition. And obviously the tequila. Um, one other thing that you've done, which is amazing, is you have actively parented yeah. uh, now a grown up, but and you're parenting uh, <clears throat> two daughters. So you are the ultimate girl dad. Yeah. And I want to know, how has it been when you had Simone, you were you were young. Uh, and now you've had, I don't want to say older dad, but kind of an older dad with the younger kids. Like, how is that, how has your parenting perspective changed um, now with your two young daughters versus, you know, Simone, who's I think now 20? Again, great question. When I had Simone, I was flying by the seat of my pants too as well. It's about the time I met you that I had Simone. This was in 2001. And, um, yeah, it was about the time you and I met and I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure out my own shit at that time. Um, flying by the seat of my pants. There was so much happening at that time. Um, and at that time I was married to Danny in my first marriage and we had Simone and I, and I like to say I grew up, we grew up at the same time and I was trying to be the best dad that I could be at that time, uh, with the capacity that I had. And the truth is, uh, I had limited capacity back then that, and I had, I can only, the capacity I have today can only come through time and experience and that's it. And I realized that. And so now how things have changed these days is I feel like I'm a lot more empathetic. I'm a lot more, um, confident in how tomorrow will shake out based on the effort that I give today. Uh, and that is also too, you know, Krista, I was really, I was so focused back then on making it. And it was important that I just didn't fail. I didn't want to fail. And so uh, I was making the transition from wrestling to Hollywood. Um, I was challenged. There were some roadblocks ahead of me. I didn't want to fail. And things are different these days. You know, I'm a a far cry away from seven bucks uh, or from failing um, because I've done a pretty good job of, of, you know, calling this career. But uh, so also I realize now that I got to a point in my career where much like when I said I'm going to be the best version that I could be is the most authentic version I could be. And this, and this means I'll go to the gym. I won't lose weight. I won't be on these crazy diets. I love George Clooney, love Will Smith, Brad Pitt, these guys who were the biggest stars at that time when you and I met, but but I'm not them though. I want to be in that position one day in terms of their influence, in terms of their career, but I am my own person. There's no blueprint for me and I got to be me. So the reason why I say that is because then, then, when I had Simone and trying to figure all my shit out, uh, I was still conforming to Hollywood ways. And this is how a movie is made. This is how you're supposed to act, walk, talk, etc. cetera. Uh, it got to a point where, as you know, I said, okay, well now I'm going to be me. Uh, and Hollywood is either going to conform to me or they're going to, it, it, uh, we're going to split ways. And I'm never going to be in Hollywood again. I'll go find something else to do. 
but in the process of that and me realizing that, I also realized that, oh, wait a second. Being a father and being a husband um, it, and having a career in Hollywood at this level, um, it can all converge nicely. And once you realized what kind of life you wanted to create for yourself and your kids, how did you go about making that vision a reality? It doesn't have to be. I go to a certain location and I'm there for two or three or four or five or six weeks. Can't take the kids out of school. They have to stay in L.A. It's what the school system wants it to be. I said, well, no, everything is going to change. Where I go, the babies are going to go. My wife is going to go. We're all going to go. And that's how the movie's going to get made. So there was a lot of changes, a lot of shifts. Once I realized this is the kind of father I'm going to be, this is how we're going to make these movies. And not only that, but this is how we're going to make you studios money. It all just conformed. It Mm -hmm. all just conformed. One of the things I've been talking about uh, this season on the podcast is fear. Yeah. Uh, and it's really interesting. And, and and obviously, actors have a lot of fear. You have a fear. Is a movie going to be a hit? A fear of, can I pull this off? Can I, you know, just the existence of an artist, I think, you you have to process fear a lot on any given day. But for you in that moment in time when you strategically had had lived a certain way, you've had success in wrestling, you'd had some success in film, certainly. It's, we, we can't say you were in excess before you decided to, like, merge the two. But how did... How was your level of fear at that point, having been in Hollywood for a minute, deciding to make these changes, you know, with your ex-wife, with being a parent, like, okay, I'm going to be me and I'm going to floor it with me. Did you have any hesitancy or anything that you had to work through to get to the point kind of where you are now? Because you are are a unicorn. I feel like you, there's Hollywood pre and post- the Rock, Dwayne Johnson. You really did roadmap for yourself, and other people can roadmap off of that. But before you, there was really no one else um, mm-hmm. in front of you that laid a path for the, for for how you managed your career. There just wasn't. Thank you for saying that. I, I think that um, you know now I'm in a great position that others can draft off of this blueprint that I've created, and should they decide to use it. Uh, that it continues to shift and morph for me too as well as we continue to build out. But you bring up about fear. Um, I was, yeah, I was nervous. And, you know, I always say this about actors and we're all in this business. It's an incredibly vulnerable job. As forward-facing as it is, um, there's such a tremendous pomp and circumstance and it is the bright lights and it's Hollywood and it's all these wonderful elements about it. Um, there's underbelly to it as there is with anything, but also at the end of the day, it's the it's the person who has to stand in front of the camera when that red light is on and the director yells action. And, and it's just you, and eventually it's intimate with the camera, but that goes to the world. And that is forever. It's, it's a vulnerable place to be. So I always give so, actors a lot of credit. Um, when I finally made the decision to be myself and be authentic and we're going to see what happens. Uh, I went pedal to the metal at that time. I was really clear with what I wanted to do. And that was just be myself. And I had told, I given myself the space to, to think, okay, well, I have established some pretty good relationships in Hollywood. I don't know if this is going to work because I sat with the agency who I was with at that time and said, I am so clear with what I want to accomplish. I don't know how we're going to get there. 
I don't know how this production company is going to get there. I don't know. And at that time, uh, Will Smith was still the biggest star in the world. And I said, I want to have the career Will Smith. And I said, and I mean this so respectfully because he's a friend of mine and he is at this agency. I said, but I want to do something that's better and bigger and different. And I don't know how that's going to be. Um, but that's okay if we can't see the pathway there. I said, but let's have faith in how we're going to get there. Everyone looked at me like I had three heads. And hmm. like, how m- much drugs have you done before this meeting? It was like that kind of thing. And I felt the energy in the room. So, but I was still, the point is I was still so clear about, about the mission and unclear about whether or not we were going to achieve it. And that's okay. So prior to that clarity and that moment of clarity, I was really fucking nervous. I'm so sorry to cuss, but I was really nervous because at that time I had already transitioned out of the world of pro wrestling. You and I, you had gone to a show. I left the world of professional wrestling as their top draw. Mm -hmm. And that in any other world, and I'm sure to many other people, why would you leave that? I wanted to grow and I had achieved so much in that world and I wanted to grow. And then I felt to me, if I grew, then that would inherently impact the wrestling business uh, and it would help grow that business too as well. Uh, but I was nervous because at that time when I made the transition to Hollywood after the Scorpion King, the rest of the movies that I was doing at that time, uh, they weren't making any money and they were okay movies. At time they had a B movie feel to them. And um, you started to see the tea leaves and these cards that were laid out and you start to go, I don't know if there's longevity in that guy's career. And I felt it and I understand. So I was really nervous. I was also going through a divorce at that time, trying to figure out my shit. What kind of father am I going to be now? Um, and I thought, man, did, am I going to end up with the same kind of relationship that my that I have with my dad? It was a complicated relationship. I was going through all this shit, trying to figure it all out, mm-hmm. trying to figure it all out. So there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of vulnerability. There was a lot of... Um, I was really unsure. I was also an only child. I was not used to talking to anybody. (laughs) I, I, at that time, didn't understand. uh, um, And I was not an advocate of of, uh, any kind of therapy or sitting down with people. I did that just wasn't in my wheelhouse. I didn't know how to do that Mm -hmm. or where to even begin. Um, And so, yeah, the fear was there. But once I had the moment of clarity, I thought I'm not going to be scared. I, at least uh, if I fail, I'm going to fail going out on my shield here mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And if I make it, then we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting that you went back to wrestling and you did elevate it. I'm not condescending to WWE, but you did bring a giant amount of attention to it where it wouldn't have necessarily been before. In that moment of clarity, I thought, well, I am going to be me here, but there's also an opportunity to go back now in 2010 and let me sit with vince mcmahon who was a mentor of mine for many many years very close with him and let's figure out the pathway to create something that's really extraordinary that hasn't been done um and in turn impact their bottom line in our way so i did exactly that so there was a lot of big decisions that were made at that time Mm-hmm. And now your oldest daughter is interested in wrestling. She's she's in it. She's in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, she is full time student as well as a full time student at their training facility. The WWE has a great training facility. It's NXT. So she is in it. She loves the wrestling business and very proud of her. 
That's got to feel pretty incredible. I mean, your grandfather, your father, you, your daughter, that's pretty amazing. It's awesome. It's awesome. And you know what's great about this, Krista, is that this, where we are today and the impact that women's wrestling has had on that industry today is really spectacular compared to 20 years ago. Things were a lot mm -hmm. different 20 years ago, even before that. But today, where they are at and they are headlining pay-per-views, and really the female talent is rightfully so being uh, so forward facing and pushed to the uh, front of the line and held in these really main event positions. And they're all doing great, including my daughter. Very proud of all of them, all the women there. That's so great. I always also ask whoever I'm interviewing about the advice that they have for people that are struggling. It's just been a really rough couple of years for a lot of people. And I think Anyone trying to transition from one place to another, and certainly in the artistic endeavor, is very, very challenging. And I'm curious to know what advice you would have for for someone doing just that, trying to just either put one foot in front of the other or trying to realize their dreams. Oh, I would say I'm an advocate for keep that dream alive and control the controllables. And what you can control is the effort that you put forth with your own two hands. I'm a firm believer in that and controlling the controllables. You can't control what people say, what they feel. Um, there's a lot of things that we can't control. There's a lot of things that you can control. And it's that unique and interesting thing that happens um, in terms of destiny. When destiny and luck, when that converges with your hard work and your fortitude, and uh, I mean, that's when the magic happens. You bring up about unicorns. There's a lot of unicorns out there. And unicorn magically shit <laughs> starts to happen <laughs> when um, people have moments of clarity and they put forth the effort and they control the controllables. And then they go to work. I can tell you the thing that's also helped me, Krista, was being less micromanaging and really doing my best to see the greater, deeper value of everybody around me. And when you see that, then the world opens up in another way too as well, where you less hands-on, because I, I came from a world of pro wrestling where it is I eat first and I take care of me. And in those pro wrestling locker rooms, my head was always on a swivel. Everyone's head was on a swivel. You had to look out for yourself. Those are shark infested waters. Mm -hmm. Now it's taught me very well over the years. It served me well. But when you get to Hollywood or you start to expand your businesses out, uh, there's such great value to bring in people who are masters at their craft, uh, smarter, greater skill sets than you. Uh, don't have to be hands-on, no micromanaging. You find the right people, you start to build the organization and you really go to work and you let them go to work. Uh, and that's what I found. I mean, that's when things have really opened up. And last thing I'll tell you is this, when I talk about controlling the controllables and I talk about that funny thing happens with convergence of good luck and controlling the things that you can control, like the effort with your own two hands, I've always found, or I have realized, I haven't always found this, but I realized once I really started to pay attention that when you have moments of clarity and you know what you want to do, the universe has that funny way of meeting you halfway with things. And you start to realize, and that's when things start to really open up. 
I'll say this lastly. And when we met, at the time when we met, I, there were a lot of other things and distractions and noise in my life at that time that I thought were the most important things in life. And they were over there and they were way over there and they were over there. But you realize really the most important things are really the stuff that's right in front of you. It's truly the stuff that is right in front of you. It's family, it's your babies, it's the good people you work with. Yeah, well, the movie is fantastic. It's such a great, fun ride with all the twists and turns, and the action is amazing. And like I said, I love the chemistry of all three of you, and I love Gal. It's just, it's great. I'm, I'm ready for another one. So ah, I'm just you, putting Chris. that out Appreciate there. Appreciate it. Thank you very right. much. Thanks so much for joining me. Red Notice will be streaming on Netflix November 12th. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more conversations here at Present Company.